Well, we've been working on a series together. Last week we talked about the, the, effect, the affecting of miracles, working of miracles, other translations would say. How many of you are pretty excited that that still exists today? Yeah? I'm, I'm excited. We're continuing, and, and, I, and I understand that I mix healing and miracles. We talked about that just a little bit last week, but, but I'm personally excited for the day when we have 100%. You know, when 100% of those we lay hands on miraculously recover and instantly recover, Yeah. There's, there's, it's, I don't believe that's outside of our grasp or outside of our reach. If Paul, 2,000 years ago, who was not Jesus, is able to go to an island and everybody on the island gets saved, right? If every single person, who, I say saved, saved and healed, sozo, it's all the same thing, if you didn't know that. Healed physically, spiritually, and emotionally, that's sozo. That's the word we have for salvation in the Greek, if you didn't know. You know God always intended it to be a three-part mission, <laughs> So if Paul can go to an entire island, see the whole island healed, if, if Jesus, had, every single person who came to him, he it releases an instant miracle over them and their bodies, th- then why not us? Why not us? Why not here? Why not in our region? You know, we've seen visions here of, we've seen visions here of, of, of lines, you know, pouring out the door of people waiting for their miracle. And there are people who are having great success in the earth, but, you know, why not, why not us? Why not you? And when I say us, it's you, right? You, you'll, you'll notice in this environment, most of the time, if I, if I, if I believe the Lord, or let me say it a different way, if, if I believe the dunamis power of God is present and available for healing, and I've sensed that, I've been in tune with God, I'll sick you on them. Most of the time, you don't see me actually going and laying hands on people. Well, that, that's intentional. Some people are offended by that. But the fact is that God wants to do it through you, not through some guy who stands on the stage, through you. He wants to empower you when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, Acts 1.8. The result is power. The result of God's presence in your life is power. And learning to flow with Him and sensitize yourself to Him is, is the whole game. Learning who you are as a son and daughter, by the way, that's one of our empowerment tracks. Learning who you are as a son and daughter of the King. And learning that no matter how busy Daddy is, you can always break into the throne room and ask, He's never too busy. There's always an invitation. (laughs) The prodigal son was seen from afar. The father began to run. (laughs) How many of you know that idiot son squandered all of his money and ruined his name in the community? The father ran. I think there's more to this God than what meets, than what, well, what meets our current level of understanding. <laughs> there's a lot to get excited about. As to the effecting of miracles, it's a brief recap. It's not really a recap. I just have more to say, <laughs> which is often the case. You know, there is, uh, someone once said that if the apostles and the prophets of old needed the effecting of miracles. They needed healing, the gifts, these, these supernatural, these, these charismatic gifts, the charismata. If they needed that in their life back then, how much more do we need it today? I mean, if the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Peter, James, and John, the whole brood, if they needed God to show up like that for the church to be able to expand for God's will to be done on earth, then how much more do we need? 
first, a famous scripture, we've read it often out of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting in verse 4. This is the Apostle Paul. And he says, My message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Holy Spirit, and here it is, and in dunamis power, the miraculous power of God. Verse 5, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Now, the, the broader mainline church philosophy, Christian church philosophy right now, is, is to say exactly the opposite. In most churches, you will find they will say, well, wait a second. Now, the, the, the Bible has come. It's been canonized, which means there was a, a vetting system that they got from God whereby they, they said, okay, these, these uh, scriptures, these books qualify, and then they shut the book and they sealed it and said it's done. God's not speaking in this specific way any longer, right? They had the canon of the Scripture. It was closed, and they would call that the perfect. And since the perfect's come, we no longer have any reason to have miracles and signs and wonders and people getting healed and so forth and the other. And so, the logic would go, and so if we can just study the Word of God a little bit harder, then eventually we'll be able to convince men with our persuasive words and our wisdom. That's the actual argument. The Apostle Paul comes and says, look, I'm the most learned man on the planet. I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees. I know the Bible inside and out. I guarantee you, I know it better than you. That was the Apostle Paul. That's how he spoke. I guarantee you, I know the Bible better than you, but I didn't come trying to convince you with my words. I came instead with the, with the demonstration of the Holy Spirit and in dunamis power and the miraculous power of God so that your faith wasn't on my amazing persuasive abilities, my oratory skills. It wasn't upon me and the words that I would say, but it would be upon the power of God who would come and punctuate what I had to say. How many of you have ever heard somebody preach and you go, that was really persuasive and that, that, wow, that was, wow, that's really compelling. I'm going to have to really think about that. The very next week, you hear somebody else preach the exact opposite, and you go, my goodness, that was very compelling. <laughs> that was very compelling. I'm going to really have to think about that, right? Persuasive words of skillful men. A good salesman has a way of selling ice to an Eskimo, right? But the power of God, I'm reminded the Apostle Paul, he even said, he said, look, there were some people who were coming against him. I love the Apostle Paul because he was so bold. He said, look, I'm going to come in there and I'm not going to look and try to test the words that are coming out of your mouth. He said, he said put it to proof, buddy. What kind of power is following your ministry? It's the Apostle Paul. And if the apostles needed that, how much more you and I? There's a pervading philosophy right now in, in, in probably anybody who's under 30 years of age that's called relativism. Anybody heard of that? So we're in a day and an age where they would say that there is no plumb line of truth. You know, you and I would say quite the opposite. We'd say there's a, there's a foundation of truth. Everything that we do, everything that God speaks comes out of this plumb line, this foundation of truth. They would say, no, no, truth is relative to the individual, Truth is relative to each individual and each individual case and all of the variables that surround your individual case. And so what may be truth for you in your situation may look very different to you in your situation because the variables are different, see? There is no plumb line that says, here's what you measure everything with. Well, that's just a fluid concept. There's nothing like a miracle 
to break right through all of the philosophies of man and demand you put it to proof. (laughs) You just saw the resurrected God resurrect that man's body and bring healing to him. Any pain? No, you don't have any pain. Okay. What are you going to do about it? Well, it's uh, there's no foundational truth. No. Look, I'm here to tell you, we need miracles now more than we have ever needed them, I think, in the history of the church. There's nothing like it to be able to cut right through, to cut to the quick, cut right to the chase. <laughs> and make us prove what we believe. The next thing that we have on our list is we're going through 1 Corinthians chapter 12, looking at all of the gifts, the manifestation gifts. The next one on the list is prophecy. It's not our topic for Dave, but I did feel I needed to touch on it, as the gift of prophecy is actually, it finds itself in all three of God's lists. I'm not going to really expound much on that today, uh, just because we've already hit it pretty good. What, because it was a motivational gift in the beginning, I think we've probably adequately covered it. But we do need to take pause at, at why it's the only gift that finds itself on all three lists. It's firstly a motivational gift, prophecy. We talked about that out of Romans chapter 12. Do you remember? We doing all right? Yeah. Out of Romans chapter 12. So a motivational gift becomes, it's, it's part and parcel with someone's personality. It's when you look at them, you see this gift. It's, they're literally the glasses that they, that they view all of life, the lenses that they view all of life through. It's, their, it's the expression of their personality. They're black and white. There's so much that comes to it, that, that being prophecy as a motivational gift. It's also, as we're talking about right now, it's a, it's a, a manifestation gift, which means that it's the overflow or the evidence that Holy Spirit is present and on this particular believer. When Holy Spirit is there, he manifests himself in the form of a word that comes out of their mouth, a word of edification for the body or for those that are around that person. Does that make sense? So it's a manifestation of Holy Spirit. It also just happens to find itself to the last list, which is Jesus' must-haves for the body of Christ to function and for his will to be done on earth. It becomes part of the package that we find that a prophet uses to do his job, to fulfill his office. And the prophet is the office gift that we see released in the latter part of 1 Corinthians 12. Why do you think that God put this one gift on all three lists? Have you ever heard somebody say that if God says it once, he means it. If he says it twice, you better start listening. If he says it three times, (laughs) he's pretty doggone serious about it, right? It's the only gift that finds itself on all three of God's lists, which tells me it's significantly important to God. Why? Because I think the, the most, the supreme value of man, the, let me say it a different way, the biggest need that you and I have is to hear clearly from Father God. I mean, I could, and we're going to talk about this in the coming days, I could throw every single gift away. I don't care. I don't want another gift. I don't need another gift. I just want you, Dad. I just want your voice because if I have the voice of God, I have the power and authority that comes with that voice. Hey, go lay hands on this person. Yes, Lord. The, the biggest need that you and I have is to simply hear clearly the voice of our Father in heaven. Prophets and the whole prophetic realm help us to do that very thing. 
being on each of the lists, being the only gift on each of those lists, I think God's pretty serious about it. And I find it curious that the church, the mainline church today, comes against this particular gift. It's fascinating, isn't it? The one gift on all, on all three lists, and it becomes the supreme gift that the mainline church readily comes against. The Bible admonishes us quite clearly not to despise the prophetic, not to despise the prophetic utterance in our midst. Well, that's the very thing we do when we deny its existence to start with. And so it's, it's for this reason and so many more that we've actually, you see these guys stand up on, on the left side, the right side for you of our sanctuary after every service now. This is the reason why we've gone after the prophetic here, why we're training up teams to be able to hear the voice of God better, because if God was going to take it that seriously that he says it three times and puts it on his must-have list, well, then it's on my must-have list. And if God was taking it that seriously, don't you think, as a church, we ought to take it that seriously? And so we're forever trying to sharpen that in our midst and really, honestly, to create a prophetic culture here Because again, there's nothing like hearing the confirming, beautiful voice of our Father. There's nothing like being in a place you visit for the first time and somebody pulls you aside and says, Hey, I just I just really I just feel like I just feel like God's wanting to let you know that you're beautiful. I'm looking at you, Jake Hughes. I think the Father wants you to know you're beautiful. There's nothing like coming into a place and hearing from some stranger who doesn't know you the very thing that you needed to hear that day from your father. (laughs) And there's no greater expression of love than the father picking some random Joe who doesn't know you and putting a word in their heart just for you, just for this time, just for this moment. It's a beautiful thing. (laughs) And it's an absolute must-have. And we hope to cultivate that atmosphere here in this place. Which really brings us to our topic for today. The good news is we got all the time. This is second service, not first service. <laughs> Today we want to talk about the, the gift of discerning of spirits. And along the same lines as what I've been suggesting, there has been a, a movement in the body of Christ to despiritualize all of the gifts of the Spirit. To despiritualize them. And that effort as it relates to discerning of spirits has caused people to go, well, that's just the gift of discernment. And look, discernment is awesome. We all need to have discernment. You know, I, I pray that all of you walk in, in, in a level of discernment, but discernment on its own is just simply a natural gift. It's more a fruit of wisdom and really good observation skills than it is the supernatural manifestation of Holy Spirit upon the believer. You see, it's a, it's a very different thing. The NASB calls this gift the distinguishing of spirits as opposed to the discerning of spirits. I believe that begins to shed the light on exactly what we're dealing with, the distinguishing of spirits as opposed to, again, the discerning. I think that gets, gets us confused, right? So how many of you have ever eaten M&M's? <laughs> M&M's. So let's try that again. How many have eaten M&M's? All right. Yeah, so like every single one of you. Can I just first of all say that company must have the best advertising ever, because this entire room just raised their hand and said, yep, that company's affected my life. Right? But how many of you, when you get your bag of M&M's, individual size, because we're not gluttons here, <laughs> and you rip off the top of the, the package, 
You open it up, pour them into your hand, and then you begin to sort them by color. Let me see you, you bunch of nerds. Look at you. Look, what a bunch of weirdos. <laughs> what a bunch of weirdos. Yeah, the red ones go with the red ones. The green ones apparently taste the best, so you got to separate those out from the flock. It's the right thing to do, right? Like begets like. You've got you've to separate those out. <laughs> That's for the truly bold and gifted. Yeah, yeah. I just hope nobody's offended by your... Uh, your <laughs> so how many of you know that it takes the gift of distinguishing between M&Ms for you to be able to sort them by color like that. Right? Yellow ones go here, blue ones go here, red ones go here, brown ones you eat. <laughs> it's the gift of the distinguishing between M&Ms, and, and if you don't have the gift, it renders you effectively colorblind. Right? So it is in the spirit realm. There are a number of different spirits, and the gift of distinguishing of spirits gives us the ability to be able to sort all of that out in the spirit realm. How many of you are fully aware there is a Holy Spirit? I thought I was speaking to the right church, but I wanted to make sure. So there's a Holy Spirit. There's also a human spirit, right? Flow from your innermost being. You have a human spirit in there. Did you know that you are 50% natural and 50% supernatural? You're a spirit being. I believe it's time for us to begin to tune into the other half. So there's the Holy Spirit, there's the human spirit, and how many of you know that there are angels that serve God in the ministry? Right? There are angels, some people have seen them, I have seen some myself, the good ones and the bad. I have seen angels myself. I've seen when they've been present at different times. I pray God opens my eyes even further because I really like that a lot. <laughs> but there are angels. Or it says, the Bible says that every time somebody gets saved, God sends ministering spirits. It's talking about angels. So he sends angels to minister to you. So there's an unseen realm where there are angels from the Lord of hosts being sent to minister God's word effectively to you and to your heart. There's a whole lot more going on than what you realize. And then as we well know, the one who gets way more attention than what they probably are due, then there's the demonic spirits that are out there. The distinguishing of spirits, this gift allows you in any given atmosphere to decipher what's happening or what the influences are in the spirit realm upon that meeting or upon that individual, for example. You know, so you come into a meeting and you kind of go, okay, that, those guys back there, hey guys, how you doing? Yeah, you're welcome here. Come minister to my people. You know, come. Those are the angels. Those are the good ones. We want them here, right? We want those partnering spirits to come here. That one over there that screamed a little bit and caused people to freak out, yeah, that wasn't the good one. That wasn't the good one. Yeah. That guy over here that was shaking in worship, hey, that was Holy Spirit. That word that that guy came up and gave, that was a good word. It was on target biblically. But it wasn't Holy Spirit. It was His Spirit. See, the gift of distinguishing a spirit gives you the ability to, to, take a, to, to look into the spirit realm and distinguish between the influences on a, a person or an event or an occasion or the atmosphere where you find yourself. 
It's a sensitivity to what's happening out there. Now, for the most part, I, I, I said for the most part, I shouldn't give that caveat. We are all intuitive by nature. How, however good we are at it, we, we're intuitive by nature. And I feel like this is like the ground level of this gift or the, 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 the understanding of this gift as we see it in our lives. Now, how many of you are married? You sheepishly raised your hand because you don't know what's coming. Right? <laughs> So guys, I want to speak to you just for a second. Women have a tendency to be naturally more intuitive than what we do. I think most of us who are married, we've come to understand that. And it goes something like this. You come up and you meet a new guy. He's a business partner. Dr. Cleveland's sitting here on the front row. He's, he's looking maybe to partner in business. His wife comes alongside of him and she says, mm, I don't know, something's not right. And as a man, we all go, what exactly is not right? See, because we're wired logically. Okay, I, just give me just anything. Give me anything. I know you're not going to give me five things. Give me something. What, what, what is it that you are sensing about this particular individual? Because I thought the meeting went pretty well. You know, I don't really know. I don't know what it is. Killing me right now. <laughs> But there's a, it's an intuition. Look, don't let the demonic realm just, you know, take stuff that was rightfully ours. We do have a sixth sense. We are spirit beings, and we do sense the spirit realm. The issue is that we have to turn aside and actually pay attention to it. We have to begin to learn how to discern what's actually around us. We have to tune in just a little bit. And guys, our wives tend to be a little bit better at it than what we are naturally. We call them intuitive discerners as the ground level for the expression of this gift in our life. So what's happening when your wife says to you, I don't know, you know when I go into that place, I get a weird feeling something's not right here. What's happening? She's actually, whether you know it or not, and whether she knows it or not, actually sensing something in the spirit realm. There's an influence on that place that she's picking up intuitively. She can't see it. She can't smell it. You know, she can't, she can't definitively give you like the five reasons why she knows that it's there, but there's something there that's negatively influencing the atmosphere of that place or that's hanging around an individual that causes her to go, you know, I don't know, let's put the brakes on this one. They're sensing something that's actually out there in the spirit realm. Now, Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 14, it tells us, Solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. How do you practice and sharpen your senses? The first thing simply is this. You have to become aware. You just have to simply Stop with all of the busyness and the distractions and become aware. Years ago, my father-in-law, he bought a, a, a knight. It was a full knight in armor, sword, and everything. It was, they're, they're weird. They're weird people. I can say that because they're not here. <laughs> Six foot tall, you know, sword and everything. And because he's as ornery as he can be, worse than I am by 50%. <laughs> my wife laughs. He placed this night, it was, for, it was a Christmas gift, down at the bottom of the stairs. Their bedrooms are on the second level. There's not a bathroom up there. And, uh, you know, expecting that as this creepy six-foot-tall armored guy was there glinking in the shadows, that it would freak her out in the middle of the night, and he'd get a good laugh out of it, right? So here she comes in the middle of the night, because she's about 98 years old, and they pee like five times, right? 
So here she comes down the stairs, walks right past the six-foot scary guy in the shadow, goes to the bathroom, walks right past the six-foot scary guy again, and goes right back up to her bedroom. How many of you know that because of the distraction or because of our, you know, our attachment to our own eyeballs and our own flesh and what we can see and feel in the natural How many of you know we can become oblivious to what is standing right there in the Spirit? (laughs) And not pick it up at all, just walk right past that guy. Intuition is fostered in a place of relationship with Jesus Christ. See, because the more I spend time with Jesus, the more I spend time in His presence, the more I come to understand what that feels like, what that looks like, and the more I can compare that to the atmospheres that I walk in, to the people that I shake their hands of. I can, I can test all of that out. Even John tells us, test the spirits. This is one of the ways that we can do that. It's this intuitive uh, discernment, the distinguishing of what's happening in the spirit realm that we can tap into as we're in relationship with Jesus Christ. Because the more I am comfortable in, or the more time I spend becoming comfortable in his presence, the more readily obvious everything else that's contrary becomes to me. Right? We have to get to this place where we, are, where we finally say, okay, enough with the excuses, and we start doing our quiet times, and we crack the binding of our Bibles, and we get to know him, because this is the place where this intuition is built, where we have a measuring rod to the spirit realm that we're experiencing, because the enemy, whether you like it or not, comes as an angel of light. He's in disguise. There are even people, it says, in the church that are wolves in sheep's clothing, Right? That means they look like us, but they're really not of us. Right? There are people who are demonically influenced, and we need to understand, or come to a place where we can discern the difference, where we can distinguish between what God's doing and what the devil's doing, where we can distinguish between someone's personal spirit and the Holy Spirit. And it's only in the sharpening of this gift, which I believe is available for every one of us, that this is even possible. Have you ever stopped to consider what it's like in God's presence and began to ask questions? See, we've been told so much that the Holy Spirit's like a butterfly or something. Don't scare him off, you know, that we're like afraid to ask questions, but that's just not true. You know, he welcomes you to engage him. Have you ever began to ask questions? Have you ever started just to use your brain in that place? You know, and just to think, what does this feel like? What am I feeling? I know I'm in the presence of God right now. What am I feeling? How is he speaking to me in this place? What's he saying? How does he speak to me? Is there any kind of a sense attached to this? Is there a sense of fear? Is there a sense of peace? The Lord usually releases a heavy dose of peace over me and makes it very clear that I'm in his presence. It's just like, oh, this is really nice. Thank you, God. (laughs) Blood pressure lowers in that peace. It increases in this piece. <laughs> ah. What does it smell like? Well, that's a really weird question. Unless you realize that it's the mature who have learned to use their senses to discern good and evil. And there are actually people out there, I remember a story. Well, some, some people actually discern God's presence in a meeting or in a place because, through their smell. They can smell a sweet-smelling fragrance in their midst. And they know, oh yeah, every time that happens, I know Holy Spirit is present. 
I remember a couple of guys, they went to the store, uh, the story goes, they went to a conference and they both walk in, they, they're heading down the aisle and the one looks back and he realizes that his buddy is no longer with him, he's back there talking to somebody else. And then he's looking and he realizes, hey, these two are hanging out like they're best friends. And finally that all wraps up and he comes back, he says, hey man, what, who was that guy? He goes, I have no idea. You were talking with him like you were best friends. What was the deal? He goes, well, as I walked past him, I smelt a particular fragrance that I have only smelt in the prayer room in a place of deep intercession. He said, so I knew that when I passed that man, you know, that he was a prayer warrior, that he spent a significant amount of time on his knees. He said, and anybody like that, I just had to stop and say hi, talk to him about what God was doing on his life. See, the gift of distinguishing of spirits can, can have a broader context, but it's the influences in the spirit realm and distinguishing between what's happening in that realm that allows us to be able, honestly, to better partner with God, to better discern what God is doing. How many of you remember when Jesus said himself, I don't do anything except what I see the Father in heaven doing, right? How many of you would like to be able to say the same thing about yourself? The, the, the distinguishing of spirits gives us the ability to see behind the veil, to see behind the curtain, and it allows us to be able to partner better corporately with what God's doing or, frankly, what He's not doing. Have you ever walked in here on a Sunday morning and you think, you know, the worship was good? Ben Pillman rocked it out in the drum cage again. David Carr, he's on the other side. We've got to have, like, dueling drums someday. Yeah. <laughs> We'd break down some mountains then, wouldn't we? You know, everything was great. I can't put my finger on it, but I just wasn't able to connect with God. You know, or you come in and sometimes, you know, you were, you were perfectly fine. Your car ride was okay. Your kids were perfect, sweet little angels, as I know they always are. You know, and you come in and all of a sudden you find yourself just kind of under it a little bit. You're like, I don't know. I can't really shake this. I feel a little bit depressed, you know. What's happening? There are influences in the spirit realm that are trying to come against the church and our connection with Father God in the place of worship. Did you know that we have people here that are actively putting out their antenna into that realm, listening, discerning, distinguishing in this atmosphere what God's doing, what the devil's trying to do, and then coming against it in the place of intercession every single Sunday so that the rest of us who are here, who are colorblind can actually enter in unimpaired. Did you know that's happening here? Every single Sunday. All of the manifestation gifts are for the common good. That means that when you see this gift in yourself, you have to ask God, what am I to do with it? I'm sensing depression in the atmosphere, God. What am I to do with it? I think nine times out of ten, he's calling you in the place of intercession to be able to free the atmosphere from what's happening there. Now, on the positive side of things, one with the gift of the distinguishing of spirits has the ability not only to discern the evil stuff that's trying to come against us, but the positive stuff, the ministering spirits that God's released into an atmosphere to bring us in. Right? We don't do anything except for what the Father in heaven's doing. What's he doing? They have the ability to discern what he's doing, what's happening in that angelic realm, in the spirit realm. And as a result of that, they can easily become a bridge for the rest of us to the Father. It's like, would you rather be floundering around and trying to find what God's doing or have somebody with the gift of distinguishing a spirits come and go, man, I've got a real sense you know, that, that God is, is doing this. I feel this, I see angels, they're, they're, they're ministering here, and I really feel like there's power present for healing. Come on, I take that all day long. 
instead of fumbling around and trying to figure it out and hoping that we hit right, I'd rather get the person who's gifted to be able to tune in, see behind the veil just a little bit, and then tell us, here's what I believe God's saying for this, for this atmosphere, for this time. Here's what he's doing. We have people here who are doing that every single Sunday. It's the only reason the service goes right. Hey, zip that child up. No, seriously. <laughs> you got to say something once in a while just to get a drink of water, and then it looked like it was... See? <laughs> we see this gift with the Apostle Paul in a, in a passage that I feel like so, many, so much of the time we actually just buzz right back through. Acts chapter 14 and verse 9. It says, this man was listening to Paul as he spoke. Of course, Paul's preaching the gospel. That's important to know who when he had fixed his gaze upon him and had seen that he had faith to be made well, verse 10, said with a loud voice, stand up on your feet, and he leaped up and began to walk. Now, we've just talked about how the Apostle Paul seemed to have the gift of healing on him. I think when we view this scripture, we just pass it off immediately. And we say, well, Paul, he had the gift of healing. Guy, no big deal. He stood in authority, told the guy to get up. The lame guy was healed. What's the problem? But let me just ask you, what did Paul see exactly? What did Paul see? So, so he's preaching to a crowd of people, and all of a sudden he fixes his gaze on one person. What did he see? Oh, well, well the guy, he, he, was exci- he was excited. He was, you know, he was, he, he was a good message, and, you know, he was a... So, so what about his excitement made you feel like he had faith, and no doubt, because that's what faith is, to be made completely whole? What did you see, Paul? I think Paul was actually operating in the distinguishing of spirits. And he saw in the man's spirit faith to be made well. And as he fixed his gaze upon him, the Holy Spirit tuned him into that gift. He says, oh, you. You could see it on him in the spirit, see. It wasn't something happening in the natural, and it wasn't his gift of healing working out. It was the distinguishing of spirits. I had this thing happen to us right here one time. We had a, a huge ministry team in here one time. I think there were probably like 50 or 60 of them that came in to minister to us. And, and uh, at some point in there, I had a word of knowledge that there was somebody present who was called to pastoral ministry. Now, because you guys are so amazing at responding to me, I said, is there anybody here who's called to pastoral ministry? And you guessed it. I got no hands. Not one. Can I just say... It's time to man up a little bit, all right? Throw me a little bit of a bone, because every single time I have a word of knowledge, every time, every time, after the service, somebody goes, oh, that was me, and I just, I just, I, for whatever reasons are, I just, you know, didn't want to actually raise my hand. Even one of our elders' wives has done it to me, Rebecca Smale. You know, so it's, <laughs> it's time. I'm so confident now that I've heard a word of the Lord because every single time somebody tells me, oh, that was me, yep, that was pretty specific to my situation, and such was the case this time. Nobody raised their hand. And so I started scanning the crowd. I just, I, like I said, I don't even know what I was doing. I just was under the unction of the Holy Spirit, and I just kind of started looking. And all of a sudden, I fixed my gaze on one young man that was back there with James who's on his cell phone but really shouldn't be. <laughs> And there was something in me that discerned what was happening in the spirit realm. And I just knew. And I said to him, I said, it's you, isn't it? And as soon as it comes out, I'm like even more confident. I'm like, it's you. 
it's you. Yeah, it's you. You know, and immediately all of his friends toss him right under the bus. They all start backing up. They were like, oh, it is you. Like, it's totally you. And he was like, yeah, it's me. It's me. You know, and, and, and he comes forward, and, and we had a beautiful time of ministry and impartation for him or whatever. But, you know, you could look at that, and you could go, well, well isn't that a word of knowledge? Yes, but how did I get there? I, I got there by discerning what was happening in his spirit and in the spirit realm. And that ultimately released another gift that I've got, which is the word of knowledge. Right? See, the gifts, we've boxed them up and we're going to continue to do so just for a little while longer. But they flow together like a river. You know, that's why you have a word of knowledge that results in somebody having a miracle in their body. You know, you see those things come together because they're actually not in boxes. It's just Holy Spirit who said that when He comes upon you, He was going to come in power. And Holy Spirit has all of the gifts. They're all available for you. We just have to ask. We have to earnestly seek. We have to go after Him. And I believe that's the word for the hour. It's come, come away with me. Come after me. Make me the main thing again. Come sit in my presence so that I can release gifts to you. It's like he wants to partner with you. He wants to pull you into something that's much bigger than what you understand. He wants to pull you in and open up the, the veil that separates the spirit realm from the natural realm. He wants to give you insight that allows you in partnership to come perfectly in line with his will on earth as it is in heaven. It's available for each one of us. I told first service, I said, look, it's, and it's, it's, sometimes we hesitate, we're hesitant with the gifts of the Spirit because we feel like it's going to make us weird. I mean, look at Greg. He's been, fill, look, he's been filled with the Spirit for like 40 years. Look at him. He's so weird. <laughs> You're so unusual. You know, what about Bill Johnson? Has anybody ever seen him do something really weird? Huh. Nobody's ever seen Bill do anything weird. Other than putting his foot in his mouth, how about Chris Fallon? Ever seen him do something weird? Wait, no, nobody? Weird. Yeah, right. Yeah. Look, the reality is, to the spirit realm, if you're weird as an individual, and that's totally cool, if you're weird, Jerome, you know, come on out with it, man. You know, but if you're weird in the natural, you're going to be weird in the spirit. It's fine, it's okay, you just need to be you. But we shouldn't have fear or apprehension that, oh man, like the more I pursue God, the, like the weirder I'm going to become. No, the more relevant you're going to become. I mean, look at Jesus. He's the Son of God walking in the midst of sinful man, hanging out with prostitutes and, and tax gatherers and all kinds of crooked, messed up stuff, right? Perfectly natural, perfectly okay in that environment, being flawless, being the flawless, sinless Son of God. The only thing the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit did for Jesus was make him relevant to lost and hurting people. It was for the sick that they need a physician, he said. It was the sick that need a physician. You understand what I'm saying? It's not to make you more weird. It's to make you more relevant. We have to have our head so in the cloud of heaven that we become some earthly good. So I don't know about you, but I want more of this gift. And Jesus said that if I ask for it, the father is a really, really good dad. He knows what I need. And he's generous. That's his nature. And he desires to release it to me when I ask. Right? So let's ask. Father, we thank you for your willingness to partner with flawed humanity to accomplish the miraculous.
God, we thank you that there is a gift on your palate that allows us to be able to see behind the curtain, that allows us to be more sensitive with the realm that you literally live in, to be more sensitive to Holy Spirit, to be able to discern between natural spirit, the human spirit, and demonic spirits. How many of you know this is the biggest problem right now? We have YouTube videos that that make somebody look, wow, that was really weird. But you weren't there. You weren't there to discern the atmosphere. Because I tell you, I've been in some places where something pushed me outside of my comfort zone. But because I've spent time cultivating my relationship with Jesus, I know what it feels like in His presence. I knew that He was there. And so from the safety of his presence, I could be stretched out of my comfort zone and receive what was happening. Let me just tell you, you can't do that on YouTube. We like to accuse what we don't know or what makes us uncomfortable, but what we desperately need instead is the gift of the distinguishing of spirits. So Father, we posture ourselves to receive that. We ask, would you release that gift to every person here? We'll give small concession to those who didn't show up today because they're being lazy. Maybe you gift them also. <laughs> we ask for it, God. And I'm asking that you would stir something on the inside of us, like a, a hunger for the more. We don't, it's so easy to fall into laziness and complacency, even apathy, God. But we say, we give you permission, Holy Spirit, like a holy fire to be ignited on the inside of us that we could go after the gifts with fervor because it's for your people. Make us conduits of your love, God, dripping the dew of heaven over every single person that we meet. We ask for this, God, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.